Do you remember a time when there was no internet, though? Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting edition of I Don't Know History. My name is Alex McKeeley, I'm here as the historian, and I'm joined by two special guests today. As always, we've got uh, the wonderful RJ Davis. Say hello, RJ. Hello, RJ. <laughs> and for the first time ever, Tom Stickler. Hello. Of uh, 69 movie, uh, 69 movies fame. Movies Whee! Go out of the way. Uh, we'll... When, when this comes out, will 69 Movies that have been... That will be the first episode of 69 Oh, movies. well, there we go. Tom, go ahead and plug. 69 Movies. Way. Where we watch films rated 69 on any platform and see, do they deserve it? That's all I've got, really. It's, okay. Uh, it's, it's just me and RJ dicking about. First episode's about Liar Liar. It's a good movie. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. We play games during this podcast. Oh yeah, as well. we we do a bit of trivia about mm-hmm. some aspect of the film. It it may be an actor, it may be the film itself, and then we talk, and then we play a a game, a very is, fudged in game. Yeah, loosely related. Have you seen just on a complete side note? This is nothing to do with the history, ladies and gentlemen. Have you guys seen those deep fakes? Yes. Um, oh, yeah. of Jim Carrey as Jack Torrance in The Shining. Yes. I haven't. It's no. unbelievable, They're Tom. so good. You need to Google them. If they were going to remake that film, they should put Jim Carrey I've in. never seen Deep Fakes as good mm. in my life. Just the way he moves as yeah. well is yeah. very Jim Carrey as well. It's 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 amazing. Um, but yeah, we shoehorn a very stupid game in. The first one is Liar Liar, Pants on Fire. That doesn't, that doesn't feel too... that shoehorned. That's nice, yeah. a nice segment. But then we get into the next episode <laughs> where it's uh, Always Be My Maybe, where the game is, because Keanu Reeves is in this film, uh, briefly, and the game is called Can You Always Reeves My Maybe? And Tom has to figure out whether or not it's a Keanu Reeves film or a Russell Park film. Yeah, Randall Park. Randall Park. I always- oh, uh, Darth Maul. What? That's Ray Park. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, the star of Always, always Be My Maybe. I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah. that yeah. sounds lovely. Um, gentlemen, do you know what topic we're covering today on I Don't Know History? I don't, I know. don't know. You do. I'm trying to fit in. You can tell the ladies and gentlemen at home if you like. Something about Newport. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to the podcast before, uh, I might not have mentioned it on I Don't Know History. It might be uh, solely on Kavaraji, but I am from Newport. And back in 1839, there was a Chartist uprising called the Newport Rising. Tom, do you know anything about this? I don't know what the word chartist means. Uh, well, that's you're fortunate because that's the first question I've asked <laughs> in my own notes. Um, have you been to Newport? I've been a couple of times. Have you seen? Do you know where John Frost Square is? I don't. Have you seen the the mural on the little underpass? I don't think I have. That went away six years ago. So <laughs> I I've only been to like various particular residential areas mm-hmm. and like pass through. Right. Um, so I haven't been there enough to like know where anything is. Well, the first question I hear you asking is, what was it? What was the Newport Rising? Uh, So it was a large-scale armed rebellion against governmental authority in Great Britain. Um, And it was the last large-scale uprising of the Chartist movement. Happened on the 4th of November, 1839, in Newport, Wales. My hometown, if I haven't already mentioned that. (laughs) Um, So what was Chartism? I asked that to you. You did? So Chartism was a working-class movement that pushed for political reform based on the policy set out in what was called the People's Charter of 1838, which was essentially um, working, the working class put together a charter for reform. 
that they sent to the government. Uh, it was rejected in petitions, and they then published it to the masses. And it, um, so it was, it was, it, it was also like a charter was a national protest movement based around the People's Charter. It was particularly popular and influential in the north of England and the South Wales valleys, and Newport, obviously. And Newport, yes. So the People's Charter, what was it? Um, if you go into John Frost Square these days, you can see these 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 six major reforms that are asked for in the People's Charter um, inscribed on the staircase as you go up towards Kingsway. Um, so number one, voting rights of every man 21 or older, of sound mind and not in jail, because obviously prior to this you didn't have that. Uh, two, secret ballots to protect the electorate. Three, no property qualification for MPs or voters in general. You had to own property in order to be able to vote in 1839. Uh, a salary for MPs so that working class men could um, serve as an MP without worrying about income. Uh, five, equal representation in equal population constituencies. So trying to eliminate what was called a rotten borough. Do you guys know what a rotten borough was? No. Can I take a guess? You can. Is it that... Or did you say eliminate? Yes, they wanted to get rid of rotten boroughs. So is it that there were particular like high population areas of the country that were dictating like all the like political happenings of the country uh no you're close sort of um it was say this this the house we're in now and like the four houses around it used to have a lot of people in it so they need that representation but since that representation was given um everyone else is gone and so you are the sole the sole owner of the land and there's one or two people living there or none even and you have influence because you're the landlord over how they vote. Yes. Which means you have an inordinate amount of influence over, you know, who's going to represent you in Parliament. So they wanted to get rid of that and reshape the political boundaries so that places with equal, equal population would have the correct amount of representation. And annual parliamentary elections to avoid corruption. Because payments, if you were going to make a donation to a party or a candidate, you had to do it at certain times. So it's a slightly complicated one. So the amount of money you gave wouldn't be enough to buy someone for a whole year. Or if it was, then they'd be gone. Yeah. It was basically to avoid corruption. So the origins of Chartism are they're reasonably varied, but there's, there's two main reasons that it came about, mm-hmm. which are... The 1832 Reform Act, which was introdu- introduced, interestingly, by the Prime Minister, Charles the Earl Grey. Yes. Huh. <laughs> yes, well, before you ask. Yeah. Okay. He is the guy for who the tea is named. Nice. Uh, uh, yes, um, in 1832, which... Uh, Do we get to meet um, breakfast soon? I'm sorry? Breakfast tea. <laughs> yeah. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> me yes uh, uh, this reform act it began the process of more fairly defining constituent boundaries but it made no change to the legislation surrounding voting rights for non-landowners so in 1839 and prior sort of before 1900 really when the Labour Party um, came into existence um, it was politics was dominated by what were called Whigs W-H-I-G And they're the precursor to the modern Tory party. Yeah. In that they are generally... And the Tory party was before them, right? No. Because there was a Tory party, the Whigs, 
And then it became the Conservatives who were known as the Tories. There were Whigs and Liberals, and then there were Tories as well, which were an offshoot of Whigs, I think. Okay. Um, But yeah, they were essentially upper-class lords and earls and things like that. Um, That's why, sort of, before the 1900s, every Prime Minister was the the Earl Grey or the Viscount. Um, Not the Viscount Seven, but the Marquess of Salisbury. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or the, the, the Lord of Newcastle. Um, so obviously they had a focus on higher classes. Um, and also the new poor law in 1834. The old poor law ba- dates back to 1601 um, in the reign of Elizabeth I. Have you guys seen Oliver Twist? Yes. Or any any kind of adaptation of yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The, the Dickens novel? Um, it's basically the new, the new poor law is kind of that. Um, that level of poverty. So it was introduced to relieve poverty. In fact, so essentially it legislated that a a paupers from the country who could not find work would be moved to urban areas. Um, And then they would be put in workhouses uh, where men and women would work for their rent and board and food, essentially. So they weren't costing the taxpayer money. But conditions were made deliberately really poor in the workhouses so that only the truly destitute would go into them. Because prior to that, it, with the, the old poor law of 1601, there was um, so there's abuse of the system. So people who were kind of, they could make it, um, but it was difficult, would go, would go into these systems and then just be given a place to work and a place to eat and a place to live. And that's not what they were there for. They weren't just there for people who wanted an easy ride. Um, yeah, that's literally what I've just written. <laughs> and it was a high cost to the government. Yeah. In the 1601 Poor Law as well, there was something called outdoor relief, which meant um, you would be given assistance um, that did not mandate you going into an institution. So you'd be given, you'd be given sort of crops, to, like starter crops and equipment and stuff to help you get on your way and become a self-sufficient member of the rural community. But the new poor of eighteen thirty four got rid of that, so there was no help unless you wanted to come into the city and go into an institution, mm. a workhouse, or something yeah. like that. There's a um, a I, I've watched all of Downton Abbey. There's a section of Downton Abbey where the one of the characters has to move into the city to go into the workhouse, and that explains why that happens. Is Downton Abbey? I've never actually watched Downton Abbey. Is it set in the early nineteenth century? Uh, it is set in. Night, I think it, the first episode is just after First World War. Yeah, because Workhouses still existed until about 19... I didn't know. I thought it was earlier than the that. The 50s? Well, like, how I view Downton Abbey is like 18th century. Well, the, the, I think the, I know. the start of Late the... Late 18th, I was the thinking. The end of the first season, I think, is um, declaring war on Germany, the Second World War. Ah. Like the, the Second World War? Yeah. Oh. Because um, there's like a bit of a time. Skip. Yes, there's a time. Um, time okay. skip. Um, I think it's the Second World War. It might be the First World War. I might be. be yeah. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I think it might be before the First World War. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, it's they're all having a nice fancy garden party, and then someone rushes up and is like, uh, "Excuse me, everyone, we're at war." And it's like, oh, shit. It's very good, Tom. You should audition. Thank you. (laughs) But no, yes. um, Damn Tom Abbey. As you said, there are a lot of portrayals of 
poverty and the workhouses in popular media. And it didn't. It also didn't help that, as I said before, the government was dominated by the elite, who could not and did not, who could not and did not, so I should say, represent the interests of the working people, because they're all you know landed elites. They're not going to understand like that. Mm. You know, it's you want to say, oh, these horrible rich people in government, they're they're trying to kill the poor. But at that point, they just didn't. There was such a rich poor divide. Mm. that they'd say oh well they can come to a workhouse and they can work and let's not make it too nice like um, so Oliver Twist particularly the musical is maybe an exaggeration where you would have just a bowl of gruel they did eat gruel in workhouses but they also had other foods breads, cheese stuff like that but to try and give a a more easily digestible example of the conditions that's what they gave it to so in particular we're looking at Chartism in Wales because it did exist in other yeah. places, but it was particularly prevalent in Wales. So it started really with the foundation of the Carmarthen Working Men's Association, automating 36, by a gentleman called Hugh Williams. Not who, Hugh, Hugh. H-U-G-H, Williams. It's going to be a lot of Williamses in this one, by the way. So I'd let you know that ahead of time. No, no Davises. A lot, of, William, lot of Williamses. Thomas. Is yes. there a David? There's a, there's a Thomas mean? Williams. <laughs> Any other Thomases? I don't think As so. in last name. No, I don't think so. Oh. Unfortunately. Um, so Hugh Williams was influenced by William Lovett and Henry Hetherington, um, who were both Chartist leaders. Henry Hetherington actually wrote the... Peop- I think it was the People's Guardian. He was the editor of a newspaper, hmm. which was a working-class newspaper. Um, and they had begun the Chartist movement in London in 1835. Um, it didn't catch... It didn't gather as much steam in London as it did in certain other rural regional areas of it I imagine um, in London you've got quite a lot of like up the upper class people who would have supported Whigs in there so you did yeah so and there were less people London was like a the was still the big city at this point yeah yeah, yeah. you did you obviously had poor people there but uh, I don't know it just it didn't pick up as much traction because there were less there were less supporters there mm, yeah. and more people kind of putting it down so soon the People's Charter was published in Welsh and branches of the Working Men's Association were set up in Newtown, Llanidloes, and Welshpool in okay. Montgomeryshire, Pontypool and Newport, obviously, mm-hmm. and Merthyr Tydfil, which, as you may know, is a hotbed of working-class malaise yeah. throughout the centuries. It's still viewed as as such, really. Is well, you just think about just think about in the in the nineteen eighties with the shutting down of the coal mines by Thatcher. Yeah. Merthyr was one of the places that was the most affected. Yeah. And just constantly, they've been, at, like, sort of... Merthyr have had one of the worst goes at it in, in Wales. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the Newport Rising is seen as a flashpoint for the whole Chartist movement. Yeah. Um, some interesting books I read on the topic. Uh, John Frost, A Study in Chartism by David Williams from 1939. That's mm-hmm. an older slightly older interpretation of it and uh, access to history protest agitation and parliamentary reform in britain 1780 to 1928 by uh, michael scott bowman from 2008 that mm-hmm. one was particularly good if you're interested more in political reform and chartism check those books out do it do it you can find them on google books so i assume that for this we're going to have to uh, for for the audience out there we're just going to have to assume that you're imagining a political bell going on through the entirety of this. This is a political, a political episode. Yes, yeah, so that's yeah. so 
We'll ring the political to, bell for... That, the political bell is for modern politicalness. Yes. Talking about the history okay. of it is okay. fine. It's just when we start talking about... I'm not going to say it because I'm going to ring how, it. How this is reminiscent oh, yeah. of Trump's administration, We for haven't example. talked about it yet. But in this podcast so far, we've just said political bell. We need a bell. Alex just rang a bell. We now have... A physical political a physical bell. Physical political. That's difficult. That's a difficult phrase physical, to say. Physical political. Bell. A physical political bell. 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 Tom's killing it. Tom's killing it. Theresa May fucked it up. There we go. <laughs> Just wanted to eat. wanted a first time go. Continue. Okay, well, so. I, I think we've take, come to a natural pause. I think it's a good time to remind the ladies and gentlemen at home that this podcast is brought to you by podmage.com a different kind, kind of, of, of cat. Oh. I thought we were doing like oh, everyone doing a, okay. a bit. <laughs> Go for it. Podmage.com. Uh, different kind of casting. I said that like I didn't make that slogan. Yeah, he made, he made the slogan <laughs> Tom, and the logo. As you're the newbie on the podcast, would you like to tell us some of the other incredible podcasts available on the Podmage network? Yes, I would, Alex. On podmage.com, you can find such podcasts as Kaparaji. A talk show hosted by R.J. Davis. Thank you very much. You can also find Dead Air, a spooky, horror, and conspiracy-themed podcast hosted by Porsche McGrath and Bethan, whose last name I'm unaware of. Jones. Jones. I could have guessed that. And also, coming up soon, 69 Movies. Wait. That should be out by the time this podcast goes live. Yeah. So. Probably should be. Uh, where, All right, I'm doing. Oh, I meant, I meant that. It's like a. I, I didn't realize this. Is that. <laughs> um, but yeah, me and RJ watch a bunch of films. Um, where it's rated sixty nine. Rated rated sixty nine. We're gonna watch sixty nine movies. All rated sixty nine on or various 6. sites. Or six point nine. And we <clears throat> do some trivia, play yes. some games, and work out whether it's worthy of the rating six point nine, sixty nine, or whatever you say it as. Yeah. This episode is also sponsored by Rogan Bart. So if you are a fan of playing D&D, uh, get yourself a nice little D&D character booklet um, available on roganbart.com. Save space at the table and save space for your character. Give, bring some character to your sheets. That's the slogan. Forgot about that. <laughs> roganbart.com. Um, right, so quick recap for my, yeah. for my own sake. You got these two guys, Harry Heatherton. Is that one of them? These aren't—they're not quite as important. These well, are, yeah. Um, William Lovett and Henry Hetherington. Henry Hetherington, who started the Chartist movement in 1835 in London. So they're like, "Oi, let's let's stop all this bad stuff going on for people and have it so that you rich folk aren't controlling stuff." Cause Basically, you don't really yeah. know. They weren't happy with the the lack of influence that yeah. working class people had on politics. And then the Welsh people were like, "You know what?" That's some pretty good ideas. You know what, but I like that idea. You know what, mate? I actually quite like that. That's a pretty good idea. You know what? If I die and this podcast's still going, you two do the show. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like All listening right. to this. <laughs> so, three in- important people we need to uh, mention when it comes to the Newport Rising are William Jones, who was a watchmaker and a pub owner. Ooh, double feature. Not a lot is known about William Jones. Uh, the fantastically named Zephaniah Williams. Oh, that's, that's a great name. Who was a coal miner and an innkeeper in Nantuglo. Uh, he was a prominent member of the working men's organisation and a supporter of a supporter of the next man I'm about to mention. And of course, the most prominent chartist in probably history, 
John Frost, who was a former Justice of the Peace and Mayor of Newport in 1836. Uh, while a rising was looking more and more inevitable, um, while he was later, while he was mayor, and also while he was a charter sympathizer, um, he looked to postpone the date of the rising as he doubted its success, and he wanted a successful one, obviously. So the rising itself. Uh, so there was a gentleman called Henry Vincent, mm-hmm. who was another prominent chartist leader in Newport. He'd been imprisoned for illegal public assembly in August 1839. Um, and this could have prompted the march of the Chartist militia. We don't know. It happened several months afterwards, but people were... Chartists were up in arms about this sort of thing. So, the Chartists marched down to Newport from the industrialised valley towns, armed and ready for a fight. Some with guns, some with just homemade pikes and, like, sticks and What year was this again? This is 1839. 1839. November 4th, 1839. Um, Frost's column of men That's headed... my dad's birthday, not the year, but... <laughs> I was going to say, he's such an old man. What would he be? 180? Something. Wait, 1839? 1839. 180, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's half of why I did this podcast, because it's 108 years ago. Yeah. And there, there has been some... Yeah. Um, yeah, some with guns, some with pikes, some with sticks and just clubs and cudgels. Ready just for a big old... For, for some Donnybrooks. Some, sorry, what? A Donnybrook. A, Donny, a, a fight. A, a fight, yes. Like in Gangs in New York, where they have just like clubs yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's terrifying. Uh, so John Frost's column of men headed into Newport from the west. Zephaniah Williams led a column from Blackwood in the northwest. And William Jones from Pontypool He used to live north. near Blackwood. Nice area. It's all right. It's all right. So they say members were close to 10,000. That's a lot of dudes. That's a lot of dudes. That's a lot of dudes. Whereas considering the defenders had maybe like 650 men. Let's not 500, forget, like, the population back then was like, of the planet, was like 5 billion. So oh, it's, it's, if it's we work by percentage. grown exponentially in the last yeah, right? century. So I don't even know if it was that. Yeah. Could have been three, four, three, three million, three, four. But if you think percentage wise of that. Of like, kind yeah, of thing, the people in Wales, that's like a lot. That's a lot mm-hmm. of dudes. So. Let's just, for instance, if it's if it was, let's call it four billion, just to make it easy. That's like another, just doubling that. That's twenty thousand people. What, what, how many people are there in Cardiff? Three hundred thousand. I don't know. I don't know. I know the population of Wales is three million. So, ten percent of that is three hundred thousand. So you're talking just under a percent of the population of Wales, which is still a lot of people. About point three. Point. Wait, ten. I'm talking like if it was twenty thousand people now, mm. so that would be zero point six percent. There's math. So basically, it so was a lot, a lot of dudes. dudes. Yeah, a lot of dudes. Yeah, a lot of dudes. Um, Charters members in the march were convinced that some of their fellow rebels were imprisoned in the Westgate Hotel. So they laid siege to it at 9.30am on the 4th of November. Now, the reason it happened so early in the morning is because William Jones's column did not arrive from Black uh, Pontypool on time. They were going to attack in the night, and it may have actually completely changed the outcome of this particular uprising mm-hmm. and might have changed the course of history as we know it. I, that's the thing I like the most about history, is thinking how, yeah. and you as well, 
RJ, how if things were slightly different, if if the driver hadn't decided to do a three point turn yeah. next to a sandwich shop, World War One wouldn't have <laughs> happened have, at least for at way. least a couple of years. Yeah, <clears throat> you, you listened to that, didn't I've you? I listened to that one. Yeah, it's such a strange thing about yeah. how a small decision can have that massive. Took a wrong effect. turn down a small lane. Yeah, should have turned right. And the assassin was like buying a sandwich. Yeah, right. What if this? What He's if there? This? <laughs> there he is. <laughs> What if the assassin was the assassin in the sandwich shop? Did you tell? Yeah, me? he was buying a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Um, imagine if he was just like, you know what? I'm gonna go get a pasty. Yeah. It's it's like it's like the weird conclusion to like a Tarantino film. Mm. Like you've got this one side character who hasn't really been involved, and then all of a sudden, like the the main antagonist of the film is just there, and she's like, oh, I can just kill him now if I want. It's like the film Remember Me with the person who plays Edward from Twilight, where it's just apparently nine eleven right at the end. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, what weird a weird film. Twist. Do you know about that? No, I've never. It's seen like that. a romantic comedy, and then right at the end, just he's in, he's at work, and then a plane's about to go into the building, and it turns out to be the Twin Towers. Oh. No real reason why. That's weird. No, that's another classic RJ tangent. Carry on. Thanks, RJ. That's what J stands for. Gent. Gent. <laughs> um, yeah. So they laid siege at nine thirty a.m. in the broad daylight, and uh, so. Thomas Phillips, the current, the current mayor of, oh, I say current, the mayor of Newport at the time of the rise. <laughs> I believe it's a, a Egyptian gentleman. Um, the mayor of Newport, he had called in 60 soldiers from the 45th Foot Regiment, uh, or he had requested them from Queen Victoria, and also um, sworn in 500 special constables to defend the hotel because they were fearing an uprising because it was, you know, there was a lot of talk about it. Mm. There were people... Um, well, you've got 10,000 people all on board it's hard to keep that a, a secret marching down yeah, yeah exactly and prior to the uprising for months and months there were sort of people stood on the streets of Newport and the, mm. and the streets of Wales stood up on soapboxes calling for calling for this reform and yeah. like, holding the people's charter and shouting these six tenets you know so you expect it to come um, the chartists called for the release of the suspected prisoners and sometime into the, in the morning shots were fired yeah. Um, modern accounts say the Chartists fired first, but evidence, as it's often is, is inconclusive. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Could be the government, mm-hmm. could be Han, could be the Chartists. <laughs> shot first. We never know. I think that's the interesting thing now, where because of everyone's filming, we're going to have the most mm-hmm. documented part of history ever. Well, so. yeah. It's 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 going to be hard to write history from if people the, want to know the about, winner's perspective. If people now. want to know about nine eleven, they can just watch that Happen. harrowing news report. Yeah, and then see it go in. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no doubt in it. This has happened. It's what's it's again. It's what's so interesting about history to me, um, particularly when we did the ancient Greece episodes, is that the people, the stuff that people write down, they're kind of going, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I, so this happened and this happened before. How do we get there? They own slaves. I'm guessing I think. this yeah. is the reason why. I've been listening to a, a podcast recently called Myths and Legends. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, he'll the guy will read it and then be like, so I've changed this a bit because it sounds like it was this. The, the version I'm reading is, being, is an adaptation written by yeah. Christians in this century. So it's like, well, so that's probably, this was probably not what it was because all the Christians have changed how all these stories have been written. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's a similar thing of just like, <clears throat> people people want to make themselves look better. You've also got to yeah. think about who's writing this. Yeah. 
are the Chartists right in this history, is historical account, or are people who grew up in the government? That yeah, yeah. Was after this, which they so often are. Yeah. So the fighting it was short and intense fighting. It lasted thirty minutes. Um, at one point, the Chartists did manage to get into the hotel and um, quite seriously wound the mayor Thomas Phillips, okay. who's one of only four men <laughs> out of those five hundred and sixty that were harmed. <laughs> Um, but they were routed soon after. The much better trained and equipped soldiers broke the crowd. So they killed 22 Chartists and injured maybe up to 50 mm. and forced the retreat. So when you say, this is something that I'm never sure on, when you say killed 22, injured 50, is mm-hmm. there, are those separate numbers? Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. 72 people so, altogether yeah, were okay. hit by bullets. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah it, it was a very brief flashpoint the attack on the Westgate Hotel which I believe is now a Starbucks <laughs> oh capitalism so they yeah they marched down they marched down the street called Just... they marched down the street called Stowe Hill which mm-hmm. I know very well it's got an Argos on it <laughs> and a car park on the right hand side um, you always march down it for the Mayor's Parade I remember because I used yeah. to make it and um, then you get into the Central Plaza and you've got the Westgate Hotel right there and there's a Starbucks, and then I think it's a vape shop because they're everywhere. <laughs> I heard a quote recently that was something to do with the fact that we're always living in a dystopia. We just don't realize it because mm-hmm. the second you say a historic riot took place here, it's now a Starbucks. That sounds dystopia-like, right? <laughs> yeah. We're, let, let's not kid ourselves. We live in a constant dystopia. Yeah. Uh, um, it, was a, it was a short fight, a short, yeah. intense fight. And the Chartists did not win, despite having 10,000 men. Um, did it, that it, discourage people then? Did they, did, Or did it rally them up again? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, after this event, right? Yeah. Two of, of the Newport Rising, 200 Chartists, 200-plus Chartists, were arrested, and 21, including Frost, Williams, and Jones, were charged with high treason. And those three particular were sentenced to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. That's intense. They were the last people to ever be... Oh, okay. uh, I was I was about to say like to that. that doesn't seem to be something that's done in. It was eventually commuted to transportation. Okay. <laughs> after huge amounts of petitioning and lobbying from the Lord Chief Justice of the the House of Lords. Mm-hmm. So they didn't. Know, they got uh, transported to Tasmania, I think, because this is still at the time where Australia was a British colony and you sent criminals there. Yeah. Which is makes think, sense. Kind of a hilarious concept <laughs> in this day and age. It's like, oh, let's let's get. Let's take these criminals and send them somewhere sunny. So, Let's just put them somewhere not and here. And full of scorpions. <laughs> to be fair, scorpions, not pleasant. But warm climate. Mm-hmm. I kind of want that. Mm. Well, there's a difference between warm and hot. Like, Yeah, but come on. like You get used to that. It, it, like, it's, it's, I'm sick of grey clouds. That's, mm. that's where I'm at. These Chartist leaders, guys, were seen as heroes of the working class. Yeah. Uh, Fro- when, when he returned, because he did return, uh, he received a hero's welcome when he arrived back in Newport. He was unconditionally pardoned in 1856, because I think by that time they started to mellow on the idea of... Different um, policies and stuff yeah, like Yeah, of like, like... It was high treason. It was still, um, you know, an armed movement against the government, basically. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, they did start to mellow on the idea of the elite rule the country and stuff like that yeah um, this uprising did trigger other smaller events 
through the country in Bradford, Sheffield, and the East End of London. But it was the last large-scale riot. Uh, they say, in fact, the modern, uh, contemporary sources say, had the Newport Rising been successful, it was to signal a national uprising. Mm. So essentially a national working-class revolution. Yeah, that oh. would have been... So <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I think it's I think something like the Chartist Uprising is, is gonna happen again soon in London. Mm. Um people will march on the Houses of Parliament and get shot at. And I it, won't be surprised. It, it sounds something something that's so Go back alien to, to us in 2019, yeah. 2020 in in Great Britain. But it's not that long ago that it happened, you know? I'm caught like not to just as a I'm trying to avoid the politicalness of it, but depending on how it goes with the whole Brexit situation if people don't get what they want or they screw everyone's decisions over, um, there will be a march against Parliament. They've already, been, they've they've already got plans for the Queen to There's be already been riots taken away. Today and yesterday. It's Not just, riots, protests in Cardiff City Centre yeah. about climate change. Yeah. Shut down the whole, least, the whole city. I love that, though. Yeah, Genuinely it was great. obsessed with loving it. Is it still going on? Is it, is no, I it, think it's finished now. I think it's finished now. What was that? Yeah, was that something... Sound like someone at the door. Did you pause? I really want a tan snake jacket because they're really cool. Thank you. Um, you. Since the Newport Rising as well, um, with the exception of annual elections, all of the tenets of the People's Charter have been enacted into law. If you want to look back at the, at the other six, do you remember what they were? RJ. Oh, shit. <laughs> what? I've got to remember six things. It's not happening. Tom? Okay, so one is that you didn't have to own land to vote. Yes. Uh, one is that you... Um, I can't remember what the, the succinct version is, but basically the whole idea of getting rid of rotten boroughs and yes. um, getting rid of that stuff is that um, everyone over the age of 21 had the right to vote. Unless they were... Uh, in prison or... or... What was the other one? court proceedings I, I don't remember the other one not was, of sound mind not of sound mind that was it um, right what are the other ones that's three of them yeah the, the the last the other ones obviously annual elections which I've already annual mentioned. elections which you've mentioned so you've only got two left two more to find yeah um, right so this is giving I don't me, I don't remember them this is giving me horrific flashbacks to when I was in year 11 revising for science biology and a year 10 was sat next to me answering all the questions and I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> Secret ballots. Oh, yeah, so that they didn't... Yeah, okay. Didn't um, get influenced. Mm-hmm. And an MP's salary. That, yes, yeah. okay. Yeah, Because they wouldn't get paid. Were you about to say that, RJ? I was actually going to and I feel bad. I feel like I'm lying. Was, <laughs> I also so they wouldn't like get paid lying. for the whole year. <laughs> they wouldn't get paid for the whole year and if they did, they'd be kicked out. That's what you said. No, for MP salaries, um, so, they, so that, like, so that working, working class people, people could, could do it, rather than having to rely on their current their, their current income anyway. Okay. So you started to get people who were just like, I don't know, Vince Cable in the House of Commons instead of the, the Earl of Shrewsbury, <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Manor and of the surrounding estates. Of which there are seventeen. The, the Marquis of Rockingham. That's my favourite. <laughs> he was he was a Prime Minister. Um, yeah, so Chartism today, or what, what its effects on today's society have been. Um, so in the 60s in Newport, a central square in Newport town 
was created named John Frost Square. Mm-hmm. It's very like everyone. If you ever go to Newport and people are like, oh, just go. I told us, you know, I was going to do a Cockney accent. Oh, just go John Frost Square. They're not, they're not from the valleys, but I can't, I can't forgotten how to do a Newportarian accent. And there has been a mosaic, well, there was a mosaic mural erected in an underpass detailing the events of the Rising. And it was one of the most noticeable things about Newport was this underpass that everyone saw. And everyone was like, oh, hmm. what's this? It was like mosaic. It was cool. Uh, it's well known amongst Newportonians. Like, anyone knows, like, tell me about the Charlotte Stop Rising. They'll be like, oh, yeah, it was at the, at the very least, people can be like, happened at the Westgate Hotel or something. Yeah, yeah. And there's that, there was that, used to be that mural and, uh, <laughs> you know, that, John, John Frost, you know, they'll, they'll give you the buzzwords. It's like similar to how people in Swansea know about the Tea Cook Gate incident. Yeah, so like, that's a kind of like a claim to, a historical claim to fame for Swansea. Yeah. Whereas, this is very much a claim to fame for, for Newport. New, Newport, Newportonians. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in 2013, the mural was demolished due to the sorry state of disrepair that the building it was attached to was in. Um, and John Frost Square was redesigned and rebuilt as part of the Friars Walk complex in 2015. You guys been to Friars Walk? Yes. I think I used to I work have. near there. Oh. I think I nice. have as well. I think I went there with you. Yeah, you went there with me when we were on our way back from London and yeah. then we missed our coach, so we had to get the train. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I have been there, yes. Uh, as I mentioned as well... Uh, from now, these days, the steps leading from John Frost Square to the Kingsway, they're all inscribed with the six tenets of the People's Charter. So that is the legacy that uh, the Chartist movement leaves in Newport today. Hmm. Also, I need to plug something. Okay. So in 2019, a local artist and good friend of mine <laughs> named uh, Josh Cranton in collaboration with Rise Propaganda and Our Chartist Heritage which is a charity created the Newport Rising graphic novel oh. which you can get your hands on it's available at newportrising.co.uk it's very good it's kind of he's taken a bit of he's, he wrote the story and he drew the graphics and everything he's taken a little bit of creative license with some of the characterization stuff but it'd be like a much easier way to and a much more approachable way to kind of understand the history of the Newport Rising hmm. yeah. rather than you know listen to me drone on for a bit about yeah. <laughs> for 45 minutes or roll, how long roll on BBC miniseries do you know what it would be really interesting <laughs> I think it would be yeah. really interesting to have that based on that based on the graphic novel based <clears throat> on the historical truth <laughs> based on the absolute historical truth <laughs> what was that website again Newport Rising newportrising.co.uk and if you want to if you want to follow my buddy Josh and his amazing art you can go to joshcrantanimation.co.uk. There you go. There you go. Any questions? No, I think that's it's quite interesting on that one, seeing how... No, it's a little... It, it, you don't hear... On a Welsh aspect, typically you hear from three areas in particular. That is Cardiff, Swansea, and then Newport, out of, like, city-wise. I'd say the valleys. Like don't... As it, what the I valleys mean, like, have more of a cultural imports. identity than Newport. I guess so, yeah. You are right. <coughs> um, being polite. Uh, <laughs> but like Cardiff it's the capital Swansea it was a massive port um, mm-hmm. to be fair looking back now hindsight 2020 kind of thing Newport should have had the trade that Swansea got because it was more closer to different it did for a areas. long time um, sort of in earlier in in history mm-hmm. but then you also have to think that Swansea is further out to sea so you have to sail much less yeah, you know, in, it, in, but as in like internally trading, mm-hmm. it was kind of it, it was quite 
weird. In um, Roman times, Newport was um, a big yeah. kind of center for that kind of thing. There's a big, there's a castle Looking in Newport. The map is strange for Newport back then because, like, Newport exists. Newport does exist. It is a city. Mm-hmm. It is a place that of trading. And then you go across. Cardiff doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Swansea doesn't exist. Carmarthen does. It's like what you're mm-hmm. aware of with South Wales now. Nothing. Well, there was the Roman barracks in Kellyan. You've been to Killian? Probably not. My Maybe gran- have. My grandma lives there. It. I've been to Killian. I went there. Been there a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. School trips. Yeah. What's and I there? think I think I've been there a couple of times just on my own because it's quite nice. There's a Roman amphitheater, and all Roman barracks, and there's the like Roman baths. There's there were Romans like there. Yeah. I might have been on a school trip. I think I have a a wooden dagger from the gift shop. Oh, did you go to the the forum? Maybe. You see the statues of the guy, the two guys very, killing each other. Very young. So we'll look it up after the podcast. But we'll look it up after the podcast. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's good. It's I quite enjoy going there. Yeah. It is good. Wales has a lot of culture within it, and I don't think we realise it that much. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I think when you take a look at British culture, you you really look at English culture. Scottish, you can look at as well, I suppose. Yeah, but mm. Scotland's always had a separate identity yeah, yeah, yeah. even before the United Kingdom. Well, was I, I, they've always had this separate identity and have let the world know it. Yeah, and good, good on them. I really appreciate that. Northern Ireland get lumped in with the with Ireland because, to be fair, Northern Ireland only became you know what mm-hmm. is now within the past couple of decades. Um, yeah, like 1920s. Y- y- you know what I'm saying. We covered this in episode one of season two. Aren't yeah, you? you know what I mean, though. Um, so I feel like. Uh, Wales has always been like erased when mm-hmm. it comes to history like th- there was a funny thing today just to get into history again on, on the way Welsh is treated um, there was a thing that came out someone who works at KFC <laughs> s- spoke Welsh to begin with to a customer and then English uh, and they f- just like if if you don't stop speaking Welsh you have to speak English we will fire you kind of thing and it was like a lot of people got really up in arms just like this is essentially Welsh knotting again Mm -hmm. like no English kind of thing and people forget about stuff like the Welsh knot being such a big thing the KFC is in Wales in a very ruralish kind of Mm -hmm. it's not Cardiff it's not like you're working on Queen Street Mm -hmm. kind of thing where you kind of expect more English speakers anyway Mm -hmm. but if you're speaking Welsh and then they reply in English. You, you're like she was replying in English. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's strange the the treatment that the Welsh language and just Wales in general mm. gets. And it's kind of sad when you see this rich culture, say like the Chartist movement and stuff. Mm. I think so. You are right. There you are. That's RJ's waffle for the day. That is RJ's two cents. Mm-hmm. There you are. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that episode of I Don't Know History. If you want to support the podcast and follow the podcast, you can follow us at Podmage uh, with the... No, you can follow us at History IDK on Twitter. History IDK? History IDK. IDK History has been taken and suspended. <laughs> what? I don't know. I tried to get it. Twitter suspended. Someone else had that account ages ago and it got suspended. All right, let's start that again. <laughs> Note to edit. Yep. Well, okay, you ready? Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of I Don't Know History. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at HistoryIDK, because IDK history was taken. Yes. Alternatively, you can also follow at Podmage. If you want a pleasure to support the podcast, you can um, you can visit www.patreon.com forward slash Podmage. Yes. 
and uh, you can choose which podcast exactly you want to support. Um, there's only a few tiers there. Choose how much you you want to pay. Uh, if you support any of the podcasts, you can actually fund the theme of that week. So, you know, get your get your cash to speak and get us to do the research for you. That's right. If you have any requests, you can also leave them on Twitter, as I said, at history IDK with the or at Podmage with the with the hashtag IDK history. Mm-hmm. Hang on. I've, what the fuck do I say? <laughs> you try to figure yourself. You- yeah, what did I say last time? I had it fucking down last time. Well, the shit that I said. Now I'm just waffling. Hang on. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to thank you for listening to another episode of IDK History. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast, please follow on Twitter at I. Uh, it's okay. Ah! This is new for you. It's at fine. History IDK. Yeah. Fucking assholes taking my fucking tag. You ready? Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to thank you again for listening to another episode of I Don't Know History. Uh, If you want to follow the podcast, please follow on Twitter at HistoryIDK. If you want to pledge to the podcast, uh, please visit patreon.com forward slash podmage. As always, my name is Alex. I've been historian RJ. Yes. And Tom. Hello. Do you feel like you know a little bit more about history today? I feel like I know a little bit more about history. That was weird. (laughs) Didn't like that. Thank you. Goodbye. This episode of I Don't Know History was brought to you by Podmage.com, a different kind of casting. Written by Alex Fakili and produced by RJ Davis. The theme song is Out Orbit by Revolution Void, licensed under Creative Commons Zero.